You're listening to The Other End of the Reading Rope, the podcast for busy teachers who want practical strategies for language comprehension and writing that will engage your students and save your sanity. I'm your host, Leslie Lawson, a former reading specialist and coach. Let's get on to the show. We're busy people! Okay, if you're like me, you've been watching The Bear this summer. If you don't know what The Bear is, it's on um, Hulu or FX, and it is the story of a pretty dysfunctional family that owns a restaurant. And at the center of all of this um, controversy is a character named Carmi. And as I've been watching the second season, I began to see so many similarities to education and the characters at play in our education, educational system. And I looked at how things went well, and I looked at how things fell apart, and I saw a whole lot of connections. And I thought, well, wouldn't this be a great way to lead into a podcast on staying true to what you think is best for you and your students and learning how to drown out the noise. So um, I hope you enjoy this. It's a different take on my typical podcast, but I think that if you're a fan of the show, you will get a lot of the similarities. Um, And if you're not a fan of the show, then, you know, go watch it. It's a good one. All right, so um, let's start by talking about the different characters on the show. So in in the show, there's a manager, Natalie, a.k.a. Sugar. And when I think about the manager behind the scenes, the second owner and um, all the things that she has to do um, throughout this show and the organization of a brand new restaurant, um, she's the one who's making sure all the protocols are in place. Are we following the laws? Are we making sure the funding is coming through? Um, are we staying true to what the area around us wants? So when I think about her and all of the things that she does in that role, I made a connection to our principles because a lot of our principles, you know, while we may feel like they have lost touch with what goes on in a classroom, the truth is they are making sure that they are following the protocols that have been put forth by the state and by the nation. Um, and sometimes those protocols and laws and things don't always match up with what's best for kids. Um, and so, you know, she sort of is caught between the two worlds. Um, and and I think as I think many of our administrations, administrators are as well. And then I looked at the characters, the different workers that work at this restaurant. And, um, and I began to see that many of those workers had similarities to um, the students I had taught, but also the colleagues. And I thought about, well, what could I, what could I learn from these characters? Um, you got Richie, first of all, and Richie's, I have to say, Richie's my favorite. Um, not just because he likes Taylor Swift or sings Taylor Swift a couple times in the show, um, but because he is that rough kid that you teach when you first, um, that, that kid that is like so hard to get through to in the very beginning. You know, he, he, he bucks the system. He's angry. He's combative sometimes. But eventually, eventually, 
he rises to those expectations. And over the course of these two seasons, you have seen a dr dramatic character change. Um, and it, and it kind of reminds me of those kids that, you know, were so hard to get through to, and you just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And then 15 years later, you find out they're a teacher <laughs> as an adult. So apparently you got through to them somehow. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, he, Richie really makes me think about those tough kids, um, and how important it is to not give up on those kids because, um, with good, with good leadership, um, you know, we can get those kids and make a difference in their lives. You got Neil, Neil, the jokester. Um, and he's played by, um, a man named Maddie, I think Madison is his last name, but he's a real chef in the, in the world. Like he's a well-renowned chef, but on the show, he's just the jokester, right? So he's always, you know, cracking up, making you laugh. Um, but he, his character also is the one who troubleshoots things and he helps to solve a problem, um, which made me think about those kids in my class who were always the funny ones, always trying to get everyone else's attention. But if you look deeper at what it was that they wanted, um, at school and what they needed, um, they really had the ability to solve problems, um, and, and to, to help other people out. You got Abraham. He's he's the line cook. And Abraham is the person who just doesn't believe in himself. He, you know, he just doesn't think he can. Um, and yet with with a lot of um, support and love, he begins to see that what he didn't believe he could do, he he learns how to do. Um, and he becomes, you know, changed in the process. You got Marcus, Marcus, who's a pastry chef who started off by just baking bread for rolls and sandwiches. Um, and now he turns into this world-class pastry chef. Um, but the thing about Marcus that made me think about other kids was, um, in season one, once he becomes, um, you know, becomes a learner of the new world of pastries, he starts to sort of lose focus on other things. He starts to obsess just on getting it absolutely right. Um, and so he reminds me of those students who become obsessed in one passion or another. Um, and then, but then they fall up behind on their other work. Um, Maybe, maybe they're passionate in science, but not so much in the math, you know? And so, um, you know, you have to work with them so that they become more well-rounded while following their passions. And then you got Sydney, who's the youngest chef. And um, she reminds me of my new teachers that I work with, but also she reminds me of the classic overachiever girl who was going to try and try and try um, to do something new, to do something well, but she has a ton of anxiety behind it all. Um, and, and she gets frustrated when things go wrong and she doesn't quite know how to handle it. Um, and so even as she is fully capable of, um, you know, taking over this new role in the kitchen, she also 
has um, her own anxieties and fears and perfectionism that kind of gets in the way. And then we got Chef. Chef Carmi, who I love that actor. He was on Shameless, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. Um, but Chef Carmi, he is the creative genius behind this whole change from a greasy spoon to a, you know, four-star restaurant. He makes me think about teachers in so many ways, because I think we are all like Chef Carmi in one way or another. Um, from the outside, people see his incredible work ethic, but on the inside, he's a little bit crumbling and falling apart. Chef Carmi was trained um, as a Michelin chef. And even though he was a Michelin chef and had tremendous training, he had a boss who made him feel inadequate. Um, and he was even a little bit abusive towards him. And we've all had to work with people that are not easy to work with, who sometimes can get under our skin. Um, and this negative influence that was around him when he was starting off really has shaped his life. And I think about that because in the world of education today, um, our, our teachers, our new teachers are not hearing the positives in education anymore. They're only hearing the negatives. Um, and I, and I wish that we could change that so that we can, um, build up our new teachers so that they don't carry that trauma with them throughout their career. Chef Carmi tries to keep this restaurant afloat. He's, he's changing it from a failing restaurant with hopes to create a world-class restaurant. Just like we're every year, we're in charge of our classrooms and we wanna take these failing scores and make, turn them into positive gains. We want our kids to learn. He has tenacity, urgency, and he has an amazing work ethic, which many of us teachers still carry with us as we're teaching in the classroom. He has a passion for his career and a passion for your career, no matter what career you do, is so important. But here's where he falls apart. Like us, he tries to handle everything and he lets go of his work-life balance. He keeps saying, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it, over and over and over again, until the climax of season two, when he gets locked in the refrigerator, he's refused, or not refused, but simply hasn't gotten around to fixing. You know, these things happen. When we try to do everything on our own, we end up locked in the refrigerator. We have to delegate. We have to trust our colleagues to hold up their end of the bargain. We have to trust our students to do some of the work, most of the work, so that we are not carrying it all on our backs. And Chef Carmi has so much anxiety and worries of failure. He's human and so are we, but he also had a dream. And so in order to turn things around and to make his dreams come true, he begins to take care of himself. And when I say take care of ourselves, I'm not talking about these self-care things that everybody talks about. I'm talking about really, truly taking care of himself. He began to attend therapy. 
And I'm not saying that all of us need to do this, but if our fears and anxieties are getting in the way of our work, then it's important to take care of that and to work on ourselves. There's great podcasts out there. There's books, there's journaling. There are many ways that we need to heal ourselves if we want to be successful. He reconnects with family and friends. And I think, you know, don't lose sight of what makes you truly happy. But also, well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> he begins to delegate. He realizes he cannot do everything himself. Um, and as a result, everyone begins to take part in ownership in this restaurant. And, you know, and as they do, as other people step in, it becomes more smoothly run. Um, and the same thing is true for your grade level team and even your classroom. Delegate things to your students if it's age appropriate and have them help out. He begins to trust others to get things done. Um, and he probably needs to do a little bit more of that in the future, but he begins, he begins. He keeps learning too. Um, he researches, he practices, he tries again, he makes it better and he won't accept mediocre which I think, you know, is important. He doesn't do the work by flying um, by the seat of his pants. You know, he's prepared. He knows what he wants. Um, and as he learns to put these things in place, his dream very slowly, he begins to see his dream come true. What I want him to do is to learn how to drown out the noise. And at first I thought he was doing it, but then by the last episode, I realized he had not. So for you, what is your back to school noise? Are you surrounded by noise during back to school time? For me, I remember there were so many things being thrown at you that first week. You know, you got your division level PD and that's your division leaders who have updates for all the changes and all the subjects and all the new curriculum and all the new report card tactics. You know, you have all of that. But then you also have your school PD because, you know, your principal or your coaching staff may also want to have a focus that's in depth for, for your school. You also have to be trained on the crisis plans, your school shootings, your lockdowns, all those protocols that are extremely important. Plus, let's throw in the medical training because you also have to be in, in, um, trained on what to do for CPR and how do you deal with diabetes and notice it's, if somebody's having a diabetic episode. Recently, we started doing seizure training um, and, of course, the bloodborne pathogens thing that we've done forever and ever and ever. You have committee meetings. Some committees are academic. Some of them are leadership. Some of them are social committees. You've got your SPED and 504 yearly updates. Oh, and by the way, you have two days to get your classroom ready. Are you ready? <laughs> That's a lot of noise. There's a lot of negative noise too that's out there. Um, and the negative noise that I struggled with um, was the negative noise that was coming from other sources, like what the media is saying about us. You just leave working all day long and you've, you know, you've helped a kid who had a bathroom episode and as well as, you know, dealing with an angry parent and helping another child learn how 
to read. And then all of a sudden you come home, you turn on the news and they're saying that we're teaching, you know, all these other things that, you know, hasn't even crossed our minds during the day. That's negative noise. Negative noise can also be what parents are saying because they watch the media and therefore they believe that we're doing all of these bad things towards children. Another thing that I realized lately is that TikTok was some negative noise. Um, at first, I was really drawn in by the TikTokers who were sharing their stories. Um, and, and I'm not here to say that education is, is you know, is flawless because it is certainly not. But I think what I noticed was when I was listening to all of these stories about terrible things that were happening to teachers and, you know, discipline and all of those things, it just riled me up and I didn't need to be riled up any, any more than I already was. Another negative noise out there, what the lovely politicians are saying. Again, more people making decisions that affect children without training. Um, and those decisions that are made from politicians and leaderships that we can't control that that's, that's negative noise. We have to do what the law says, whether we believe with it or not. Um, and then the statewide mandates that we as teachers know, we do not have time for, um, you know, oh, 30 minutes of required recess. You must have that, but you also need to teach 120 minutes of literacy, 95 minutes of, of math, 45 minutes of science, 45 minutes of social studies, have a 30 minute break. Plus you must do a 30 minute morning meeting. And all of this is within six hours, which we do not have time for. We never account for bathroom breaks and, you know, transitions. Children need transitions. Anyway, all of this negative noise, which is the same negative noise that I believe Carmen was feeling around him, it just adds to our anxiety and anger that we teachers are facing on such a daily basis. So how can we handle this noise, right? Well, first of all, we need to decide what noise is important. You know, when you, when you listen to the noise, what, what really matters to you? And when I think about that, there were things in our noise that we hear that, you know, we have to value. Um, and so it all goes back to like, what is our goal? When you hear the noise, what is our goal? Um, and I think that just like Carmi, Carmi had a goal of creating this world-class restaurant. I had a goal of creating a working classroom where we're a community of learners um, and our, my students succeed academically. And so when I thought about my goal, which was what really mattered to me, I knew I needed to have, you know, some, some thoughts in place. So when you listen to the noise, especially the division level noise, you know, think through it. What, what do I have to know? What changes are mandatory and why are they mandatory, right? know that because you are going to be held accountable for that whether you agree with it or not you need to follow it and then think about what sits right with you you know what was what was said during this this whole back to school time that hit a chord with you that matched your values um, that might make things easier or even change your mind about how you're doing things because you know not all pd is bad pd 
I'm one that has sat through some terrible PD, but I'm also one that has sat through some life-changing PD. Um, and I hope that if you are sitting through good PD, you are squirreling away those nuggets for a time when you need it. But then also use your own judgment to think about, you know, what doesn't sit well with you and use your own knowledge and experience to listen for things that don't make sense. And those things, those are the things that maybe you question and you wonder about and you research to find out more and you talk it over with your instructional coaches or maybe even your admin. But if it doesn't sit well with you, put it on the back burner. You know, don't, don't make it be something that takes over your, um, your noise because it's just loud noise and um, don't let it take over from what sits right with you. Another way to handle noise is find someone who lifts you up and not brings you down. I love to vent just like everyone else, but I try to vent for about 10 minutes and then think of either something positive that's happening in the school or something else in life that's going well. Change the subject because if we just sit around and vent um, without trying to problem solve, we're not going to do any good for anybody. And stop following negative TikTokers. They will encourage you to quit teaching. And is that what you truly want? So handle the noise, know what you value. For me, it was thinking through what kind of high quality pedagogy was I going to implement? And how am I going to create that classroom community? The third thing is be prepared. Nothing causes worry, anxiety, and frustration more than not knowing what is coming next. Carmi is very intentional about this, and he creates a very visible calendar with goals and due dates. And this is the way that everyone knows what's coming next, and it's up, it's up visible for everyone to see. Um, and I think about that a lot because when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I think there's been some mixed messages um, in the last couple of years about work to your contract and leave and take care of yourself. But part of self-care is being prepared. Um, and if you fail to plan, the next day is going to be more anxious and more anxiety producing because you didn't know what was coming up next. So think about that. Um, I like to do a planning strategies on, on a Sunday where I just sit down and I think about what absolutely has to happen. I make a list. Um, and sometimes I just make a list. I don't get, I don't overthink it. I just write down those bullets. Um, and then I, I set my goals for what I want to accomplish, you know, like what has to get done this week. I use a calendar. I use several calendars. <laughs> I have the Google calendar that we share with other people. I have my private calendar that I still write on. Um, and then believe it or not, I still write a, a daily calendar just to know what am I doing today? What are my to do's? Um, and so if you put in that time, like on a Sunday, just an hour, if you put in the time, you know, that will help you to be truly present and focused. 
so that you know what is most important to you and then what you can delegate to your team members and then how you can communicate these things with the people you work with. Um, I tell teachers that um, working to the contract is a myth and in any job it's a myth because you're always preparing and planning for the next day. Um, so I'm, you know, include time in your life to decompress for sure. Um, I stay away from social media when I get really swamped with things I have to do because it just steals my time. Um, I try to really decompress on the weekends. Um, and you know, during the school year though, I have to say, you know, maybe one night a week, I will do something that is non-school related, but, um, and, and by that, I mean like going to a movie or something like that. Um, I do come home and cook for my family and watch TV and stuff. So I'm not saying I just do schoolwork, but I do try to get, you know, make sure that I'm prepared for the next day. I used to stay that extra hour after school to make sure I got all my ducks in a row so that I was prepared and ready um, so that I could teach the next day. I, I work with a bunch of people now who come in early an hour before school starts so that they're prepared. You know, you don't have to stay late. You can come in early, whatever. Just make sure you're putting that time in so that you're prepared. And then how do you stay true? Again, bottom line is staying true to what you value. Um, you know, you got to know what's mandatory. You got to know what changes you must make. You got to know what you value your pedagogy, your classroom community, your school community, and you got to know what you value in your personal life. You need to make a commitment this year to stay present, positive and prepared um, because staying present, positive and prepared, that helps your anxiety tremendously. And then lean on others who have a positive outlook look about working with kids. We all have bad days. But if there are people around you who hate teaching, don't be around them. And above else, all else, drown out that noise because that noise, it's what's contributing to our burnout. I hope you will watch the bear and I hope you'll see the similarities in my uh, podcast today between what's going on at your school and also what's going on in a fun TV show today. I hope you liked this episode. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's chat. Follow me on TPT or Instagram for more tips and resources at the other end of the reading rope. See you next week. Now go home.